like a young drunk you sad like making big mistakes i feel like for the first time in a long time When I scripture this morning is from Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20, and we're reading this morning from the message. We look at this sun and see the God who cannot be seen. We look at this sun and see God's original purpose in everything created. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence and holds it all together right up to this moment. And when it comes to the church, he organizes and holds it together like a head does a body. He was supreme in the beginning and leading the resurrection parade, he is supreme in the end. From beginning to end, he's there towering far above everything and everyone. So spacious is he, so roomy, that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms, get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of his death, his blood that poured down from the cross. Thank you, Barbara. Good morning, everyone. Glad you're here today. This is a graduate Sunday, and it's this idea of uh, commencement. I don't know if you've heard speeches about um, at graduations called commencement speeches. I always thought they were talking about accolades or endings or you know some kind of other awards. And then I actually looked up the definition of commencement. It means to start or to begin, which makes sense because commence to begin. I. I didn't feel very smart. This was last week, by the way. So anyway, uh, as we hear this beautiful scripture about Jesus being the beginning and the end, I just want us to spend a few minutes thinking about what it means to begin on a new journey. High school graduation is one of the few things in America that is still seen as this rite of passage that's universally accepted across many cultures. And we as a faith community, we want to see and recognize these graduates. 
We want to call them into adulthood and have them join with us. We not only want to see them and recognize them, but we also want to bless them. And I think there's some good news about new beginnings, specifically what we need to bring when we go on a new beginning. So recently I was talking with this man, he's in his mid-20s, he's been in his career for a few years, he's been dating someone for a few years, and he was, we were just kind of talking about, you know, is this, is this the right time for him to get married? And he jokingly said, like, I can barely manage myself, I have no idea how I'm going to manage someone else. I just agreed because I wasn't sure what to do, but... Um, then we started talking a little more seriously about where he was at and, and less about where he was at and more about who he was with where he was at. And he said something like, you know, looking back now, I thought I knew who I was in high school. I don't know if any of you can say, oh yeah, I totally knew who I was in high school. So one. Um, <laughs> but he said, looking back, uh, I thought I knew who I was in high school, but then I had some setbacks, and it made me start to wonder who I was, and then I started adding and adding and adding stuff to my life. And now, eight, ten years later, I just keep adding, and I carry all this stuff around like extra weight, actually like dead weight. And sometimes I try to let go of it, whenever, but whenever I face this new or this scary challenge, I just run back to my comfort zone. And I grab those things I need and I continue to carry them. It's almost embarrassing the things I carry. I don't know if I'm going to find my way out. What are the things that you carry? Because like this young professional, whenever you start a new journey, especially one towards life or towards goodness or towards restoration, something that God might be calling you to, you're going to be tempted to add and add and add and think you need to carry all of these things, way more things than you need to, and you actually miss the most important things to bring. So a question like, what will you bring? Or what do you need most? Are questions that invite us to leave behind what's unnecessary so that we can receive something that is completely powerful and more than necessary for when we commence and so with that, we're going to look at a scripture um, in Mark, Mark chapter 6. This is where Jesus has started his ministry. He's been ministering around in these towns and villages. He's been healing. He's been proclaiming. He's been casting out demons and spirits. And so then he comes to this point in Mark 6, 6, where it says that Jesus has been teaching around from village to village, calling the twelve to him, he began to send them out two by two, and he gave them authority over impure spirits. And these were his instructions. Listen for what they are to bring and not to bring. Take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. And whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. And so they went out and they preached that people should repent, to turn around, to change their mind. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. God, would you speak to us by your spirit, by your word, um, just 
right now for a few minutes as we consider what we need to bring and what we need to leave behind. So, if these were the instructions that you were given on a new journey, here's what you need to bring, but here's what you don't need to bring, what would you be thinking? Would you be nervous? Excited? Worried? Concerned? I got to be prepared. I got to take as much as I can in. I, I sometimes wonder if Jesus was trying to make it harder for the disciples. Or, you know, I don't know if you had some teachers like this, but some cruel teachers, they try to set students up to fail so they'll be motivated learners. Like, we're going to take a pretest. 22%. Okay, now you're all excited to learn, right? I think just the stubborn people. Um, or perhaps... If Jesus is this master teacher, this is one of those brilliant ways that Jesus is going to teach them how to let go of the things they think they need so that they can discover who they really are because when you know who you really are, then you know what you really need to bring with you in this new place. In fact, one of my wiser friends says, to go to a new place is to leave behind an old place and all that's attached to it. In fact, we need to be liberated from the old place to keep ourselves from bringing it along to the new place. I would say it like this. If we bring everything from the old place to the new place, then we're really not in a new place. I mean, think about it. Just because something worked in one job, when you go to a new job, are the same skills and the same things that you have going to make it successful? Or what worked in one relationship made it all work in a new relationship. Or how you parent your first child may not work with your second child. Actually, it won't work. And even what you learned in one old hobby may not help you at all in a new hobby. Because if you're bringing what you've always brought, then you're probably doing what you've always done then you're most likely not entering this invitation from God to commence, to begin in a new way. See, Jesus called the 12 to him. He'd done that before. We'll get there in a second. But he called the 12 to him, and he began to send them out two by two. I never read the began there. I always read like he called them two by two, and then he sent them out. But he began to send them out meaning this is a little author's clue that this is a new beginning. This is a commencement. He's beginning to send them out. And he tells them there's a few things that they need to bring, but there's many things they don't. I think the things that the disciples needed are things that we need as well. The first thing that he does is he sends them two by two. I think we need a faith-filled friend to go on a new journey. A faith-filled friend. Maybe he pairs them two by two because he was trying to follow Moses' instructions of having two or three faithful witnesses. That's possible. Maybe he sends them two by two because he knows that we're not created to live in isolation, that alone we don't reflect the image of God as beautifully as we do together. So he sends them with someone else. 
especially when you think about reflecting God's image to a really broken, not just physical world, but a broken spiritual world with lies and bondage and all kinds of darkness. I think for those that are graduating and going off to college, this is especially true. Just having one faith-filled friend can make all the difference in the world. I found a picture, I almost shared it, of my 1984 uh, Civic, Honda Civic, 1500S hatchback that had two doors and a a small trunk that was filled with stuff. And I'm like, did I? I mean, my mountain bike was in there. All my clothes were in there. 30 pairs of underwear were in there because, you know, then you could do laundry once a month, which I do not recommend, by the way. But I was reflecting on, I don't know if I put my Bible in the car. But in the first week, I met one faith-filled friend and my really, really weak, shallow belief in God was suddenly boistered. It was growing into something because it had one friend to support it. I, I don't think that's true just in college. I think each of us need faith-filled friends. I was talking to a young mother who was saying, you know, the days are long and often really lonely, and I, I wonder if I'm doing stuff right. New mom. But I don't want to ask anyone because what if I'm not? I, I think I'll feel shame. So I would say to someone like that, if you're bringing this idea that you have to always get it right along with you, then it's going to be really hard to make a faith-filled friend. And if you don't have any faith-filled friends, maybe God's inviting you to be one. There are plenty of people around that want to be a friend. And sometimes all you have to do to do that is show up. Seriously, 80% of it is showing up. And it's not that hard. You show up, you want to you wanna find some faith-filled teenagers? Oh my gosh, come to Mark and Carrie Stokes' house. Details are in your worship folder. This is my shameless plug. Kitty pool kickball, if you've never played it, just Google it. It's really good. Um, show up, you'll find some faith-filled teenagers. Or if you're a faith-filled kid, show up at VBS. I mean, register, that would help us. But that'll be a ton of fun. And if you're an adult, you can show up and serve. It's a great way to meet a ton of different people. If you're like, oh, I don't know if I want to work that hard. Well, then show up at a connection event or a small group or a Bible study. There are lots of ways to just simply show up and meet someone. And it's a skill that somehow we know intrinsically in kindergarten. We, we use it in high school, sometimes often in college if you do that. And then I think for many of us, we stop exercising that skill. And suddenly we're like, I don't know how to meet anyone. Keep showing up. Second thing I think Jesus gives them is this authority or power. And we need that too. That's something we've got to bring with us is this necessity of Jesus' power. Because if you read closely, he's not like, go on a vacation, take a little tour, it'll be fun. He's sending them into Satan's spiritual domain to bring light into darkness, to bring some heaven to, to this hell on earth, to bring some truth to the lies and some life to death. It's not easy, but they can do it in his power. 
And I think for some of us, we miss this in one of two ways. Either we overemphasize the spiritual darkness and we're like, oh, no, I can't say anything. I can't bring any truth or any hope or any life. I don't, I don't know what to do. Or we overemphasize the spiritual power and, and we think we need to bring something that we're not. Sometimes people like this see Jesus not just as giving us authority, but Jesus as the authoritarian. You need to go and do this. And so then we, we go like that. Like Jesus is some kind of dictator. And it shows. I really think maybe you've seen people that say they love Jesus and go this way. For some of them, they, they carry the harshness of Jesus being this boss that's going to just look down on everything they do. They, it'd be really easy to bring a fear of failure if you went that way. Maybe you know this one. Maybe you've carried a fear of failure with you when you've tried something. Probably one of the most joyous uh, images I have in the last two months was when uh, one of my kids learned to surf. I don't know if any of you have surfed before. It is so hard. <laughs> but, but she learned to surf, and she went into it knowing that she was going to learn to surf. I had a friend that actually went to go surf, and he said, as he was doing it, he was picturing like all the surfing movies. So he was picturing that he was going to grab this board. It was going to be like the length of his body. And he was going to go up on this wave and carve this 180 and slide through this rip curl. And, you know, come out and jump off his board and be like, ah. And that did not happen at all. Like, he's trying to pull, like paddle out into the ocean and then just sit on the board like, you know, like this. What's up? He couldn't even sit on the board. I mean, he was falling off, going backwards. It was a mess. He like rolled onto shore and he realized that he brought this, I need to be awesome at surfing with him to this. Where my daughter, she just brought this joyous adventure. I mean, she had the same skills or lack of skills that he did. But by the end, she was paddling and kneeling and standing on the board for a little bit, and then falling off awkwardly. But she mastered learning to surf. When you bring Jesus' power, you don't have to bring this level of skill, or this expertise, or this perfection. You just bring yourself. I mean, Jesus had already, had already done much of this with them. In Mark 3.15, he says, in Mark 3, 13 to 15, says that Jesus went up on a mountainside and called those who he wanted, and they came to him. And he appointed these 12 that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach and have authority to drive out demons. Before Jesus sends them out to do anything, he just calls them to be with him. How does that change where you go in life when you know that Jesus is just going to want to be with you? That there's no expectations that you must meet in order to do that. I think we in the church often get this wrong. We need to bring them in, clean them up, and send them out. And there's this mission to do because people are going to hell. There's a, there is a lot of hell, and we do need to be cleaned up, but let's not miss 
that Jesus wants to be with us. And lastly, before we bless our graduates and hear how Jesus will go with them, I think the most eerie thing that Jesus has them bring is actually a list of what he doesn't want them to bring. It's longer than the list he does. It's this necessity of need, which kind of sounds redundant, but maybe that will help us remember it. This necessity of need, that everywhere I go, I'm going to need Jesus with me. That I can try and do it on my own, but if I do, I'll probably end up like the younger prodigal son, wallowing and realizing that how good I had it when I was with my father. I think Jesus knows that we learn the most about ourselves and maybe even the most about God when we need to meet new people and enter new experiences in a way that we can't control them. Go into this town. Rely on the hospitality. Don't have the extras and the things that can have you depend on yourself or control the situations. But just enter, always asking for me to be with you, to give you wisdom, and to guide you. And it's a wise person that can ask appropriately and authentically for what they need. In fact, God wants us to depend on him. It can be a very mature adult thing. So if you're a graduate, we see you as adults. And like us, please see us as people who are still learning, who are not getting it right all the time. We're still dependent, but we actually want to be like you, with our eyes on every new commencement, every new beginning, able to jump in with both feet. So as the band comes up, Um, And we just take a moment to reflect and listen to God before we bless and hear how God's working in our graduates. I want us to think about what we bring to situations and what we might be invited to let go of. That we bring this awareness of our need. We bring a faith-filled friend. That we bring Jesus' power and authority. With it comes his love. And that everywhere we go, we know that Jesus is there because he is the ultimate new beginning. Like Barbara read, we look at the sun and we see this God who cannot be seen. We look at the sun and we see God's original purpose in everything he created. He was the supreme in the beginning and he is the supreme in the end. From beginning to end, he is towering there far above everything, everyone everywhere. He was there before any of it came into existence and he holds it all together right up to this moment. God, in this moment, will you tell us what we need to bring and what we need to let go of?